Hi, I'm Dan. Hi, I'm Jenny. This is Rookie Movie Reviews. We are watching through the top 100 movies of all time as chosen by the fans on IMDb. Top 100 ranking. Uh, pretty good time so far. And right now we are watching Tarantino movies. Yes. We are doing a little extra... Uh, the little extra gambit on going through Tarantino in chronological order as far as what's on the list. But before we get into it, who's here with me? Uh, Pugsley. No, <laughs> I don't think, well, he is, but he doesn't speak or contribute ever. He contributes. Uh, started talking about Tarantino before he even got to get a word in edgewise. I said, hi, I'm Jenny. Did you? Yes. Oh my God. Totally spaced it. That's okay. I was just nervous about doing the perfect intro for Tarantino. Pugsley came in and threw off the groove. Gotta throw him out a window now. Come here. (laughs) 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 We could do radio. (laughs) (laughs) Is that an elephant or is it a fart? It was a fart for radio. (laughs) (laughs) We're just shock jocks. (laughs) We should start doing this whole show in the style of radio shock jocks. Like, then uh, Christoph Waltz enters the scene. Wee wee wee. That'd be a good one. I'll go get my harmonica. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So we watched Inglorious Bastards. Mm hmm. What year did this one come out? 2009. What? What? 2009. 2009. Uh, real good one. I've seen mm-hmm. this one before a couple times. And if you're jumping in on this episode because you love Inglorious Bastards and you want to hear a take on it, this is the third of four movies of Tarantino's on the list. And it, chronologically, it's Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Inglorious Bastards, and finally rounded out with Django Unchained. So We've we not are, watched Django just yet. Yes, that'll be next week's offer. But uh, for now, three out of four. What? So, oh, yeah. What would you... <laughs> I would rate this 75%. Just kidding. We're not even close has, to the ratings. It has yet. to be one of the top 100 movies of all time. I would agree with that. Okay, moving on. So we open on this farm in France. It's 1941. Nazi occupied France. We're in the countryside. And we see family doing family stuff. And up the road... Doing farm family stuff specifically. Farm family. It's funny to me because I always just kind of viewed it as, oh yeah, doing farm family stuff. The guy is really just hacking at a stump with an axe. He's not even chopping wood. He's trying to destroy the stump. And it's jumped out to me as, what a futile thing to just hack at a stump with an axe. Modern technology has spoiled us. What do you... I'm just saying, think of how long it would take to get a stump out of the earth by hitting it with an axe. Oh, like trying to drill up a stump. Yeah. That's the task he's... Instead of using a rototiller. Or maybe he's just an angry farmer and he's got extra anger at the end of a farm day. Is, um... Witch rings a bell. Because oh, the yeah. father chopping all that wood. Yeah. Just Is that how... even enough wood? I don't think so. I think they comment in that movie yeah. how he does not have enough wood yet. So he's got to get out there more. And chop but it. he had so much wood. Is this... What else is that guy in? Uh... He's one of the Wiggles. 
No. They're all singing. He's like, I've been evicted from my village. (laughs) (laughs) And I do the noodle. (laughs) He's got the perfect voice for Wiggles. Anyway, we didn't watch Witch. I just thought it was silly how he's hitting a stump with an axe. Stacking wood. There's so much wood involved in life before the 1940s. Yeah, you literally have to cut it for hours and hours a day or you will freeze to death in the winter. And now we're just sitting in a house. Thank you, man who invented central heating. It was actually a woman. Was it? No. What I don't the know. hell? It just seemed like one of those things to jump in and be like, that was actually invented by Marie Curie. You know, a Tesla comes in and steals all the credit. Uh-huh. Or Edison from Tesla. Both. Failed bit. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> anyway... Okay. They're a dairy farm, specifically. There's some cows. They were definitely CG. They look like shit. <laughs> Ugly cows. Mad. Where, way, mad. Way back in the corner of the scene. Oh, scheisse, if you prefer. I don't like the Germans in this movie. So I prefer Mared. The French are better. <laughs> I don't know where you want me to go from here. Continue summarizing the scene, oh, please. Oh, shit. <laughs> Scheisse. Oh, Scheisse. Jewel Hunter. Uh, Hans Landa. Hans Landa shows up, and that's what he is. He is the Jew Hunter, and he has been to this family farm, or other German soldiers have. I think we didn't exactly say German soldiers are coming up in their Volkswagens, and yeah. they're coming to the farm, and he's looking for Jewish people. He asks for a glass of milk as a power play. Who knows? And he smokes a pipe. He's really just hanging out with uh, the dad. And he asks the daughters to go away. And they're chatting. And this dude's intimidating. And he's like, I could ruin your entire life. Let's switch to English. He gets the dad to confess. And there's this really cool scene while he's smoking. Well, Jew Hunter is smoking the pipe. It pans down to below the floorboards, and we can see the family hidden underneath. Yeah, yeah, the slow reveal and all that. So it's a super, super famous scene of Tarantino's, and it's just a really well-written conversation where you don't even realize how close the farmer, Padit, is to revealing that he has his uh, friends hidden away in his farmhouse until it's already too late. So it's just a fantastic scene to set the stakes, show how effective Londa is at manipulation and conversation. And then we have the explosive finish when La Padite gives up his friends beneath the floorboards, the last remaining Jewish family in the area. And he, he being Hans Landa, brings in the German soldiers, points out the location of the hiders and they just open fire killing everybody except one woman who runs off into the field Shoshana and Hans Landa has a bead on her and lets her go you know just uh says au revoir Shoshana which plants this uh, fantastic seed of him being hubristic mm-hmm. he's in control of everything thinks really highly of himself which I'm just now realizing is the cause of all the problems in the movie. Like, I, I knew all along that Shoshana was 
this mastermind that was going to cause the problems and conflicts later on. But I never realized that it's all to make Londa, who everybody thinks is this coy bastard, actually the architect of his own demise, really. You know, yeah. he, he lets Shoshana go out of uh, this inflated sense of pride and it bites him in the ass in a big way. So, I mean, what is there to say about the opening scene that hasn't already been said? It's amazingly well written, amazingly tense, really well acted, and uh, super well wrapped up. It's got everything you need. And it introduces the great villain, Wanda. He's he's the best part of the, one of the best parts. The characters in this movie are amazing. A well written villain can really make or break a movie. Mm-hmm. And he plays I mean, a fantastic evil Nazi. Well-written characters are required for a great movie. Yes. You need a tissue? Yeah, here it is. Oh. Uh-huh. I've hidden boxes of tissues all throughout the house, and it's a little treat anytime you find one. <laughs> it's like Easter egg hunt. Yeah, but instead of delicious chocolate, it's delicious tissue. Especially to Pugsley. <laughs> we left one on the floor overnight, a tissue box. And he ignored it all night, and then the other, during the day, just walked off, and he was feasting, just <laughs> ripping it to pieces. And, well, you know, he noticed it. it. Yeah, it got stuck on his tongue, so he's, like, trying to get it off his tongue. He's whipping his head all over. Um, it was a good good little scene to walk in on, and then I'd snatch it from him, and he was all mad. But You were the villain in that moment. Yes, a well-crafted villain preventing him from his base desires of tissue paper. Well, he heard you pluck a tissue from the box. He's arrived. <laughs> He'd like one, please. <laughs> so. Cut to Brad Pitt. Cut to Brad Pitt, Lieutenant Aldo Rain. Killing Nazis. Giving his little speech to the bastards. <laughs> the eponymous or titular uh, Inglorious Bastards. He's rounded up a group of specifically Jewish soldiers. And they're being dropped deep into enemy lines. And their whole mission is to get back there and kill a ton of Nazis. 100 Nazi scalps. Yeah, the meat of the scene is Aldo Reigns, Brad Pitt's speech to rile them up and get them in a, a killing mood. And he demands a tax of 100 Nazi scalps. And he will be cruel to the Germans and they will fear us. And such a hype scene. Like, the delivery is amazing. He's got this... Uh, southern accent. He's supposed to be Appalachian. Oh. And well, that's not necessarily in the south. He's got a rural accent, I should say. I guess my my association with uh, non Midwestern or uh, Mid Atlantic, yeah, <laughs> accents is southern, even though it's a wide range of other... anything below the Mason Dixie line or east of the Mississippi. That's south. Yes. <laughs> and below New York. Exactly. Well. Just that That's all. Most of the United States is the South. If they Kansas don't, be damned. <laughs> they don't sound Wisconsin. They are Southern. But great scene. Great pep talk. We get to see a guy that looks like John Hamm, who's on the Bastards, but it's not John Hamm. Yeah. I need you pause it. Yes. Can we talk about Amazon Prime? Yes. They do not sponsor us. Of no. course. All streaming services should have the, who is that actor, when you yeah. pause it, and then a list of films you might know them from. The Amazon X-Ray. Dude! A fantastic feature. 
It's shocking that other people haven't stolen it. I guess yeah. they must have it patented. Because the first time some Netflix exec sat down to watch Amazon Prime streaming, yeah. they must have been like, holy shit. That's a good idea. That is a great idea. And instead they play three seconds of the show while you're trying to read the description. Yeah. It's just like, bah, bah! <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, no. You can turn that autoplay off. It's not good at UX if you need to opt out of a thing that's annoying. I agree 100%. But I hate it so much. <laughs> I would like to put forth that we Yeah, we, we could do, do that. Same. We can do that. The bear Jew. He's we, a golem. We, well, after the introduction of the, the bastards and how they're going to collect 100 Nazi scalps, which is, I can't overstate it enough, a fantastic scene, um, we cut to Hitler... <laughs> Screaming nine nine nine, yeah, and uh, demanding that no one talks about the bear Jew, and he's screaming at his officers as he's getting his portrait painted on this massive mural, and I like how much they do to make Hitler look like a silly ass. You know, he was a silly ass. You know, yeah. We also talked about what Jojo Rabbit with this one mm. a little bit because that's that's a really good lighthearted World War II movie. And I would call this one lighthearted technically as well. It's certainly... There's World War II movies, there's Holocaust movies, and they're mostly dramas because the subject matter itself is dramatic. But it is certainly a little flippant. It's like Saving Private Ryan, but you're having a really good time. You yeah. Know? You're, here, you're here for fun, not uh, drama. Because that, that's, that's the thing. Like You look at Saving Private Ryan, he's like, oh, before all this, I was a history teacher. God damn this war. And now these people are like, I want 100 Nazi scalps now. And I'm going to cut them off those dead Nazis' heads. So it's it's different. It's it, it's a good time. It wants you to have a good time. And uh, in the finale, we kind of realize, like, oh, it's all a bit of a gotcha. But not really, because... You know, Tarantino does want you to have fun watching this movie. And certainly, you do. I certainly. do. Bear Jew is Donnie Donowitz, mm -hmm. who is from Brooklyn. And uh, he's the guy with the Louisville Slugger. Knocks it out of Fenway Park. And uh, he is the one in the cave that is rumored to be a golem and all that. Yeah. So after we get to see Aldo Rain putting together the bastards and... Hitler freaking out about the bastards. Then we meet uh, the Bear Jew, who is played by Eli Roth, Donnie Donowitz, and they kind of talk about it in hushed whispers. You know, uh, Hitler and the subordinate he brought in for questioning. And we cut to the scene of the bastards in this ravine. They've ambushed a German platoon or troop or group of soldiers, whatever the proper size group of soldiers is, because I don't know the terminology. And they are questioning them about a sniper setup further up the road. The German refuses to give the information. So they bring in the bear Jew from a cave. And he runs out and starts threatening them. While he's coming out, we meet Hugo Stiglitz. And Hugo Stiglitz is this other member of the Bastard who he gets this awesome guitar riff. They're like, oh, you know who that is? And the German officer says, yeah, Hugo Stiglitz. And it's just super stylish. He gets a title card. And we get a voiceover from Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, kind of talking about how Hugo Stiglitz was 
a German officer who snapped or uh, hated Germans or something. I forget later on they say he's specifically from Berlin or Amsterdam. But uh, he just goes crazy and kills like seven officers in one night very violently. He killed thir- okay. He killed 13, 13 officers. officers. Jesus. And we see it very brutally. He stabs them through pillows, mm-hmm. chokes mm-hmm. them by just putting his hand in their mouth. Uh, violent murder. He's in prison for this. And he gets picked up by the bastards. They do a prison break. So at this point, we're kind of looking at a frame narrative in a frame narrative. Because Hitler's freaking out. Or like the bastards are formed. Hitler freaks out. We see why Hitler's freaking out. We see how Hugo Stiglitz was brought into the bastards. And then we jump back out on the other side. Yeah, and there's some hero that Hitler obviously wants to meet with. And yeah. he's the one who is getting interrogated by the bastards. Yeah, he's the lone survivor of this ambush. Um, but we meet Hugo Stiglitz, go back to the ambush. Donnie, the bear Jew, beats this German officer to death with a baseball bat. Loves it. They all love it. And then they question the lone survivor where these snipers are. And the lone survivor points him out. Yeah. He gets let go. Traitor. What's he going to do when he gets out of the war? Oh, he'll go hug his mom. What this gonna... was a really good scene. Yeah. yeah. It's Brad Pitt, a translator, and then the soldier. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of snappy. It could have been, you know, could have been just a straight shot. But instead we get these tracking. And it, it just makes the scene more dynamic. If I recall, it's all like one take, right? It yes, just, no cuts. This neat little triangle shape. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you called it out because watching it, it's like, this is going really fast and I never really connected that we're just kind of on a rail bouncing, you know? Yeah. It's, like you say, dynamic, super kinetic. Um, anyway, he's going to go hug his mom and he's going to take off his uniform. He intends to burn it. And... That's no good. Yes. <laughs> they can't. Uh, if he's not wearing the uniform, there's no way to tell he's a Nazi. Mm-hmm. So Brad Pitt likes to carve swastikas into yes. the forehead. He's got this great big Bowie knife. Hold him down to, to some, give him something he can't take off. Mm-hmm. Super brutal. Uh, and then we cut back to Hitler. And Hitler says, did he mark you like he did the other survivors? Lifts it up and we see... The aftermath, which is just this nasty scar. But, you know, the bastards are nasty people, so. Yeah. They're definitely supposed to be heroes. And mm-hmm. we kind of touch on this in our other ones. I feel like, I'm giving away my opinion already, but in this situation, the terrible racism makes sense. Because they're super... Yeah. The, the people who are anti-Jewish... Are Nazis, so you expect this behavior of them. Mm-hmm. And then the people who are mean to the Germans are anti-Nazi. So you're on their side, because you're not a Nazi. And also there, there's one black character, and he's referred to as an N-word, uh, and like people are Marcel. Um, so he's... Uh, uh, the antiquated term or the slur? The antiquated term. Yeah. Just which, clarity. Yeah, so he's referred to as the antiquated term, which is not as bad, but I'm not going to fucking say the word. Um, 
and he is referred to as such by uh, Joseph Goebbels. You know, mm-hmm. so exactly like you say, the people saying it, these are the worst people ever. Uh, I kind of, I don't think like, oh, that guy's really cool. No. And he's saying the N-word. Uh, I think that guy's a fucking horrible Nazi. And of course he would say it because he's an, an asshole uh, idiot. But that's way getting ahead. Basically, wanted to stress that I agree with you. The politics of the movie make sense and don't feel egregious. Yes. Um, we cut to June, 1944, a theater in Paris. <laughs> dramatic. And there's a blonde woman, or a woman in a hat, changing the marquee. And who is that woman? Shoshana. But she's going by Emmanuel Menu. And some Nazi shows up, and he's chatting her up. Trying to chat her up. How'd you get this theater? My aunt left it to me. Kind of shoes him away. But he's obviously, you know, thirsty. Smitten. He also yeah. introduces himself, like, in a do you know who I am kind of way. Yeah. And she no-sells it. And he's clearly off-put. Um, so they try to humanize this guy, I think. It, I, it kind of works. Yeah. Up until it doesn't. Yes. But, uh, which is great. I think that's a really good part like holy shit um like oh they do all suck yes but uh we will explain what we're talking about shortly but basically hits on her gets rebuffed and then the next scene she's at a diner uh having her um cafe yeah she's at a cafe uh doing her diner thing just smoking and reading he sees her through the window yeah very mimu is smoking a cigarette at the cafe (laughs) having an espresso and reading a book um Frederick Zoller is this uh, German's name. He comes in to uh, continue to harass her, and she is incredibly blunt about not caring. Yeah. Um, but he won't leave her be. And then uh, Zoller gets some fanfare from some Germans in the bar. Uh, yeah, he wants... That's our DJ. Yeah. Oh. We'll have to come up with a good shock jock... Uh, you know, soundboard guy's name. Um, whenever we want to mix in little chirps. <laughs> this is Kevin A. Fuzzy Nuts. Kevin A. Fuzzy... Yeah, okay. Kevin A. Fuzzy Nuts on the track uh, with the fanfare. Thanks, Kev. <laughs> Anyhow, he gets approached by fans. They want pictures. And then Shoshana is... Not pictures. Autographs. Uh, just something to, that just they have in 1944 that doesn't take 20 minutes to yeah. process. He's clearly a huge deal. <laughs> and Shoshana is curious about who this Nazi is. Mm-hmm. He's a fancy man indeed. Mm-hmm. And it turns out he's a gosh dang war hero. He's a big deal. He. Do we find out how many people he snipered yet? Yes. Uh, yeah. I forget the numbers. Jewish people? It was uh, American soldiers. Oh, yeah. Uh, from a bird's nest sniper tower. And he's like, I killed 73 on the first day. Yeah. 152 on the second day. And 30-something on the third. He's like, oh, okay. So he's the star of this big... How do you even get that many bullets, you know? Well, he's up there with thousands of rounds of ammunition. (laughs) But he's the star of this movie, Nation's Pride, I think it is. Um, Something like that. He's a fictional guy. I looked that up. Not an actual German soldier that had a propaganda film made about him. Just fake Was Goebbels real? 
<laughs> Actually, no. <laughs> Actually, none of it was real. Yeah, none of this happened. <laughs> Fucking crazy. Uh, um, so it all happened. Yes. Well, well not the resolved. plot of this movie. Right. <laughs> but all the other. There things. was a World War Two yes. because they were killing Jewish people. Yeah. Well. That's true. I know. It's not. It was like because Germany was taking too much land, and then the U.S. was like. I guess. Yeah. They, were not they didn't the, really care. They, they knew about They were the not Jewish on the moral high ground at, no. uh, at any point. The uh, Pearl Harbor got bombed, and then the U.S. threw up their hands and said, fuck it, fine, yeah. we'll come help. Yeah, just... Uh, this is just, about pride now. This is all off of clarifying that we're not crazy fucking Holocaust deniers or anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, but... In any case, he's the star of some propaganda movie. He's the actor in it, and he did all this killing... Uh, and she's, she says, okay, uh, and then she leaves. She just ditches him. And she's back at her cinema, putting up her pictures and all that. And this ominous car rolls up with two Germans. And they're basically like, get in the car. They bring her to a restaurant with Goebbels, uh, the actor, and then... Um, oh, Herman, interpreter. Uh, Fran- yeah, French interpreter and Herman Goering. Uh, Goering, yeah. Yeah, just a bunch of big time. Uh, Hel- Hellman or Hyman or whatever the fuck. Yeah, I I don't know. All I know is that Goebbels is the important oh, one. Um. Uh. Shit, I wrote I. Something with a B. Borman. Oh, you said that already. No, that just okay. reminded me. Um, there's a fun scene where Shoshana is looking at the interpreter and Goebbels. And it cuts to a sex scene with them where he's grunting like a pig. Yeah, he's just, it's really weird. They, he's just like, hey, hey. And he's like <laughs> screaming like that. And it's like, what the fuck is this? It's really crazy. But again, they go through so many lengths to just make these Nazis into... Punchlines? Yeah. They're like, these people are shitheads that we, are, we should laugh at and ridicule and hate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Effective in that regard. Um, Hellman is the mayonnaise. Hellman's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Hyman is something else entirely. <laughs> I was thinking H-E-I. <laughs> <laughs> Two N's. Um, what a... Little Rosie Hyman. Yeah, is that from Schitt's Creek? Uh, uh, due date. Due date. Oh, yeah. Uh, Zach Galifianakis and Robert Downey Jr. classic. Yeah, they name name her. Their Mr. Hyman names his kid Rosie. In any we case. watch a lot of movies. Yeah, just a plus, uh, top tier. Anyway. Anyway, so we are just seeing this dinner scene where they're discussing making Shoshana's diner or her cinema yeah. the premiere location. This is also really good to show what a crazy egomaniac all these men at the top were because Zolly's like, okay, great, we'll ask her. And then Goebbels is like, there's nothing to ask until I've decided. Mm-hmm. So They're all just clinging to power. Yeah. Which, just like office politics, am I right? You are so right. Gosh. Who arrives? Uh, fucking... Didn't I? The Jew Hunter arrives. Hans Landa. Landa. Oh, I did write it down. I did write Landa appears. And just the thing that I loved about this so much was 
the pounding drums that she, like immediately yeah, you feel her uh, tension. Yeah, Gribbles is like, "Oh, Landa, you made it!" And then it's fun, and then immediately cut into with like this heavy bass drum, uh, just jackhammer, and it's like, "Holy shit, she is wired!" And we're we're right she's there gonna, with her. She's gonna die. Landa and Shoshana talk about. Basically, he says, oh, I'm a security person now or something. Yes. Head of security. Mm-hmm. And it's my job to make sure he's in the safe. And they order some, uh, what were these, pastries? Strudel. Well, Strudel. he kicks everyone out to interrogate her. Uh-huh. Because he's the head of security. And another power move. The strudels come. He's like, forgot to get cream. Also, he said, oh, for the woman, milk. And I think the obvious connection from the audience is supposed to be, oh shit, he knows who she is. Yeah. This is a he knows a Shoshana move. Yeah. But it appears he doesn't really know who she is. He makes her wait for the cream and then tells her that black man in your employ isn't going to be working for Hitler. You're going to do the projector. Oh, yeah, I forgot. I thought it was Goebbels that used the antiquated terms. But they both. They both, but it um, Londa explicitly here. He pulls out some cigarettes, and he's like, these are German cigarettes. They're better, because <laughs> Germany's better than France. Mm-hmm. And then he snuffs out half a top-quality cigarette in this very important strudel and leaves Shoshana gasping. Yeah. So it's a lot of really, it's a lot of really good small. Who the fuck do you think you are? Movements. Because uh-huh. he th- he thinks he's all important and he is very intimidating. He's scary, especially to Shoshana. She got to watch him kill all of her family, and yeah. almost kill her. And as soon as he leaves, we realize how barely holding on she was, because she's stone faced <laughs> and then just immediate tears, yeah. hyperventilating, which. I think it's kind of interesting you point out all these small who-do-you-think-you-are moves in these really pompous power plays. Like, I don't care about this cigarette or this strudel. Um, it's very a gross image, just a burnt-out cigarette and a dessert. It's ugh, just kind of like a yuck kind of thing. And then we see, like, for as on top of it as he thought he was, Shoshana truly was. Mm-hmm. Like, she didn't have a position of power. She didn't pull any little fuck you moves, but she still... Not yet. Held it together. Not yet, yeah. Yin, 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 yin. She held it together and uh, did really well. Yeah. Cut back to the theater. Yes. They, uh, we learned that nitrate film is very, very flammable. And... She uh, convinces, she tells her boyfriend, husband? I th- they never explicitly say they're they in love. <laughs> she, we're going to burn down the theater with a bunch of Nazis in it. Mm-hmm. This is a suicide thing, but it's going to be awesome. We're going to end the war. Yeah. And then we cut to a similar plot over in Britain with Mike Myers. Yeah, punctuated by Chapter 4. Yes. Operation Kino. These Brits are drinking in this ridiculous yeah. hall, I guess. Or It's all um, opulence at the top. It doesn't matter what side you're on. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, 
they're planning Operation Kino, and we've got uh, fucking Darkest Hour, British leader, Churchill. <laughs> <laughs> Churchill's sitting off in the corner. Fucking that guy, whoever he is. Yeah, the, the snappy little Brit. Uh, he was like a super racist. Yes, he was horrible. He, yeah. he advocated for a lot of um, eugenics and yeah. racism, uh, dated uh, phrenology type stuff. But, yeah, Churchill's horrible. But in any case, he's in a scene sitting off in the corner as the leader of Britain uh, during <laughs> World War II. <laughs> Having a cigarette. Who knows? Cigar, probably. Michael Fassbender walks in as this... As Michael Fassbender. Yeah. Believe <laughs> just it or not. Ridiculously posh British guy. And Michael Myers is a ridiculously... Uh, he's basically Austin Powers, but more official. It, it Now that I think about it, they have these two stereotypes of British people, which are the classiest of the classy, prim and proper in Michael Fassbender, and the just doofiest of the over-the-top mannerisms that you might associate with, like, an Austin Powers character. Or John Oliver. Or John... I was thinking John Oliver the whole time, too, <laughs> yeah. He actually had a really funny joke about, um, like, a different British person who he disagreed with, and I forget all the details, but... They're both British, and he was pointing out how crazy it was that that guy and me can come from the same island and be as wildly different as we are. But got these two different British people. They're planning Operation Kino, which is going to be uh, going undercover in France and meeting a uh, German actress, British Bridget von Hammerschmack, in a basement and they're going to make contact with the bastards a secret a top secret operation force that's deep in enemy lines and they're planning to uh you know bomb this premiere yeah so and that's operation Kina. That Shoshana is doing it yeah and that's another thing uh, i know i mentioned a couple times in the pulp fiction uh review that that movie really just feels like sometimes it's like what the hell life's crazy and this is very much like, life's crazy, war is crazy, everyone's planning these world-altering plots and they're just going to happen to run into each other, you know? It, it, it's a crazy circumstance. Then we cut to the... Yeah, it's cutting to the basement. Fastbender's there, he's meeting... Bridget, yeah. Bridget. Oh, but uh, I do want to call out the the joke from Aldo Rain of how you don't have to be Stonewall Jackson to know you don't want to fight in a fucking basement because he's just complaining he doesn't know why they have Bridget as a contact and, and uh, why it's being limited to a basement which makes sense you can't really fight in a basement that's true but and they're they, not trying to fight in a basement they want to really avoid a fight in a yes. basement but now we're in the basement what's going on in that basement in that basement there's some dudes hanging out playing a card game thingy it's like a who am I we've all seen that episode of the office Oh, yeah, uh, cultural sensitivity training. Yeah. But, yeah, they all have famous names on their foreheads, and they have to ask questions uh, to figure out what's on their forehead. Uh, insensitive. Yeah. I think the one is Genghis Khan or something. Yeah, one's Genghis Khan. And basically, it's it's a total wild card that these guys are here because right. Michael Fassbender, Bridget von Hammerschmark, the Hugo Stiglitz... Hugo Stiglitz. Uh, they all meet up 
in the bar, and then there's all these Germans. Yeah, and, and they're all like, like privates or. Yeah, they're grunts. all they're they're grunts, and they're celebrating the birth of one of the soldiers' sons in a different country, far away from home, or at home, and they're far away from home. But uh, total yeah, totally errant thing. It should have been a French person's bar. There's never any Germans. Like Bridget is in the know, and it uh, shouldn't have worked out this way. But they're stuck in it. They're stuck, and um, turns out the dad is a huge fan of Bridget's. He gets over there, and he's like talking to them, and Fassbender's like, "Go the fuck away!" And then he's like, "Wait a minute, where is that accent from? Where is that accent from?" And Fassbender does the smart thing, and he's like, "Who are you to question me? Get out of here!" Mm-hmm. But who's in the corner? Who's in the corner, Dan? I don't know his rank, but he is wearing all black and he is clearly more important than whoever Fassbender and Stiglitz are pretending to be. He is a super Nazi over there. Super Nazi? Like a captain or something. Oh, God. But he's he's reading in the corner. Very French. They do, um, <laughs> <laughs> they do actually say uh, their ranks. Yeah, I just forgot them. Me too. Basically, the hierarchy in this uh, basement is villain, German in black, mm-hmm. and then Stiglitz and Fassbender as captains or whatever. Yeah. And they can boss around the privates who are super drunk uh, at the table over. And then there's a bartender and a, uh, a bartender woman and Bridget and their citizens. So there's a, a power dynamic in this bar. And he comes over. Where are you from? And he's like, I will tell you, I'm from a tiny village or whatever, at the base of a mountain. At the base of Pitzpaloo, the the mountain, which is funny because there was just that big movie released about Pitzpaloo in universe, uh, not in our actual timeline, but in the Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, and like he is an extra in the movie. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that's how they pass it off as him having this weird accent, and. And he's uh, Fraulein's ex uh, escort. Yes, to the premiere of Pits Blue. And seems all fine and dandy. But how does he ask for glasses of beer? Yeah, and um Do you want to talk more about like the lead up? Well not really the specifics, but I do just want to call out like this movie so far has two just all time tension building dialogue scenes Mm -hmm. the opening scene is amazing and this scene where things ramp up and gradually their cover gets blown it's kevin eight fuzzy nuts kevin eight fuzzy nuts just entered the room (laughs) blown cover he did not like what we were doing and he left probably go get some dinner anyhow uh the first scene and this one are just slow slow builds amazing i think the movie i would argue the movie is worth watching just for these two scenes because uh, I love them that much. But gradually they talk and the leading Nazi officer wants to play the game. And uh, they go back and forth playing the game. And they ask for three more drinks. Mm-hmm. And Fassbender lifts his finger and it's his index, middle, and ring finger when he asks for three. Mm-hmm. And immediately the German's officer, officer's face shifts. Very serious. Um, and we find out after the shootout, that the German three is your pinky ring and middle finger when you order for three drinks or three anything. Um, but that gave him away. Oh, it's it's the... Oh, no, no, no. I don't... 
It's it's anyway. It's a oh, different sign. You're right. The German three is the thumb pointer. Because I think middle. okay is like you're an asshole in some languages. You're correct. Yeah, I got the wrong fingers. German three. If you're listening at home, thumb pointer middle and Fassbender holds up his pointer middle ring, and that's what outs him as not being truly German. What's this one? That's that is the shocker. <laughs> 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 but um, as soon as he does the wrong three, the German officer says, I've got my pistol pointed at your testicles. You know, blow them off um, because you've given yourself up. And Stiglitz takes his gun and just like windmills it through the air, slams it into the German officer's crotch and says, oh, I, at this range, I'm not going to miss. I'm a red, regular Frederick Zoller because mm-hmm. Zoller is the iconic uh, marksman. And things just uh, yeah. go south from there. Say, I'll flee to Zane to your balls, to yes. your Nazi balls. Yeah, I'll flee to Zane to your Nazi balls. They shoot. Everybody starts shooting. Violent explosion. The last person alive is Max, the father, uh, the German father who was there celebrating his son, mm-hmm. and Bridget von Hammerschmark. Both Stiglitz and Fassbender get shot and die. Upstairs, Aldo Rain was waiting to come down the whole time. Yeah, um, the inglorious bastards. He calls down, and he's like, "What the hell was that?" Yeah, they were they were agreeing to do a trade because they wanted to get Bridget out. Yes, uh, Aldo, I will trust you. And um, he 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 comes down. He's like, "Well, you have a gun. We do have grenades up there. This wasn't supposed to be a standoff. It can be a standoff." And then um. Aldo Wilhelm just gets shot by Bridget anyway. <laughs> yeah. Hammerschmark just kills uh, Max and they go to a vet because she shot in the leg. Yeah. The plan seems to be kaput, but uh, it's not. Also, there's a gross interrogation scene yes. where Aldo sticks his finger in the bullet hole because he's kind of assuming that Hammerschmark sold them out, brought them to a shitty location full of Germans, yeah. got his um, his guy killed. Not a good time. Mm-mm. No, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, yeah. Really, really gross. They decide to trust her. They're gonna say she broke her leg climbing a mountain. It's unlikely, but Germans love mountains, so obviously <laughs> it'll be fine. And we cut to the premiere, and she's in a cast, hopped up on painkillers. Bridget is. And fucking Hitler's there. We see Goebbels. Yeah, all of High Command. All the eggs in one basket. But all the all the rotten Nazi eggs in one basket. And they're going to blow up the basket. But this is the start of Chapter 5 in the movie. Oh, yeah. And this is so cool because it's um, Shoshana getting ready for the premiere. Set to David Bowie's Cat People. Yeah. Uh, And she's like getting done up for the premiere and she's putting on rouge as like war paint and stuff to this badass soundtrack and it's just like oh fuck she is gonna burn this mother down and kill every nazi she can and she is uh hyped for it and it's just such a cool character prep scene because it's such a riff on you know uh like arnold schwarzenegger movies when you watch them like velcro in their combat knife and their grenades and stuff and this time she's applying makeup and putting on like a veil and all that. And it's the same exact energy, but just totally different uh, 
context, which I think is a very badass uh, sequence. Mm-hmm. Brad Pitt and two other guys. <laughs> Donnie and um, one more. Yeah, uh, he doesn't speak any Italian. Yeah, they're all supposed to speak Italian. Yeah, they're going as Italian stuntmen uh, <laughs> to this premiere as uh, Bridget's escorts. and uh, They run into Larman, Lerman, Landa. What? Hans Landa. Did I watch this movie? <laughs> I'm starting to wonder. Hans Landa, and he speaks Italian. Perfectly. It's really funny because... He, um, he knows at this point. Yeah, he certainly knows. Uh, like, they confirm before this premiere that, like, he's in the basement, he finds the shoe, mm-hmm. he he sees the note from Bridget von Hammersmark. Yeah, he finds the napkin. So she, he knows. Wilhelm got a napkin signed and kissed for his son. Yeah, so he sees the shootout, he sees the evidence that Hammersmark was there, he knows that she's a rat, so he knows that these people that she's with are also... Um, spies which makes the scene that much better dramatic irony yeah what cracks me up is when he's interrogating them about like where they're from and uh they one of their names is uh uh benedetti or benedici or something and he makes him say his name like three times he's like let's hear the music in it he's like benedetti <laughs> he's just making him look like such an ass and uh i mean londa's the villain but it's really funny to see him be in such a position of power and make fools of these, uh, just kind of playing around with them. High on his own horse. Mm-hmm. He asked Bridget, you know, hey, come with me. Just, you know, let's chit-chat. It'll be fine. Just want to talk. Yeah. And he brings out the shoe, and he makes her take off the shoe. And I think this is a very egregious Tarantino foot fetish scene. Mm-hmm. And he puts it on. It's like a little Cinderella moment. And, uh... Oh, they're in a back office at this point, by the way. Yeah, they're separated. He's he's called her into a private meeting. Then he chokes her to death. Yes. And he's like, the guy in white is the bad one. Yeah, so they kidnap him. Um, And at this point, I realize, like, every other time I watch this, I'm like, oh, Brad Pitt's badass and the bastards are out there doing stuff. Really, the entire plot is driven by Shoshana and Hammersmark. Oh, yeah. Like, the reason all of this is going to happen is because of those two women. And Brad Pitt's character pretty much throughout the movie is inconsequential. Like, he's out there killing Nazis and all that, but uh, he doesn't make any plans. He's kind of just a pawn. So I guess that was a... It it's, feels subtly done, but it's uh, very different from the other two movies we watch that are entirely uh, male characters taking the lead and doing all the all the important shit. Yeah, definitely. So since they're doing important shit, as you said, uh, we get to see the scenes of uh, Marcel locking up the theater. Marcel and Shoshana. Um, Although Rain and the little man are brought to a second location. So it's cut between the two of those, but he's got Aldo and Lorraine captured, and he's like, okay, great. We're going to call the uh, Mike Myers, essentially. I'm getting full immunity. I get some land. Mm -hmm. I get... I get a good life. I'm a hero. All of us can have medals. Yeah. And just real high on his own ass. He knows he, he's, he's high on his own ass. He's <laughs> he knows he's not a stopping. He could stop the burning, but he's like, let's let's end the war. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. He doesn't. He knows that the bastards are there with bombs around their ankles on a suicide plot. He does not know that Shoshana is going to burn that fucking thing down. Yeah, that seems independent. 
he's bargaining like, can end the war or I can save everybody. Your choice. Uh, they choose to end he the war. He doesn't even know. I never even realized how much this moment was pointing him out to be a, a pompous hypocrite it's that doesn't really know what's going bitch. on. Yeah. 100% stupid Nazi. Can't even remember his name because he's such a stupid bitch. <laughs> now we go back to the cinema. We're back at the cinema. We're watching the crappy propaganda movie. Shoshana is running the shit. She's loading up this other reel that is a video of her and Marcel's that we didn't get to see the contents of beforehand. We just saw in the montage for them setting up the demise of the Nazis uh, that this would happen. Yes. That we'd see this. Zoller is being like, you owe me sex. Yeah, he comes up to the screening room just after she flips over the reel. Mm -hmm. And now we see he's violent. He hurts her by kicking the door in and says, you know, I've been nothing but kind and you're being very cold. Like, up to this point, we see Shoshana kind of make a total fool of him. Yeah. And we see him having difficulty stomach the murders on, or I guess in war, the killing. Um, even though he's a Nazi, I just don't know enough about fucking, I'm not even going to get into it. Yeah. He's killing a ton of people on screen. It's clearly hard for him to stomach. And for a moment, I'm like, he's kind of being humanized, you know? Yeah. Like, he He's supposed to be humanized. He uh, regrets this killing. He is changed because of it. We see him be kind of a bumbling fool who doesn't know how to hit on Shoshana and is just uh, in love with her and she is rebuffing him. And then he busts into the projection room and uh, basically says, I'm going to have sex with you now. And yeah. you're going to do it. And she says, okay, lock the door. Uh, he goes to lock the door and he gets a couple shots to the back. Shoshana's got a pistol in her purse. Fuck yes. Uh, protects herself, kills him. Well. We think. Yes. Uh, what happens? He fucking shoots her. <laughs> He goes over, he's like groaning in his death, and yeah. she is human, so she's like, Oh no. I don't know. You know, mourn the death here. He rolls over, shoots her like five times in the chest. They both lay there in the projection room dying. Mm -hmm. While this is happen happening, um, the two the Italians, not Italians, are planning in a bathroom. Yeah, this is so cool because they see. Hitler in a in his box, he comes out and talks, and the guy's like, "Holy shit, that's Hitler!" <laughs> he didn't know Hitler was gonna be there, so he goes to get Donnie. He's like, "Come here, they've got these fucking pistols on their hands." Something cool. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> if you want to summarize after this, I just want to point out how badass it is that that short little scene where they're like running in slow mo towards the two guards. And there's like this base that's like dun da da dun da da dun da da dun. Wherever they hit, it like fires a gun. So they punch these Nazis in the face and shoot them in the fucking head uh, to this like cool ass slow mo base. Um, after this, uh, we cut to Marcel and he's smoking a fucking cigarette. So cool. Very French. Very French. <laughs> and he flicks it onto the pile of nitrate film and everything's on fucking fire and it's super violent. Nazis are burning to death and they can't get out because of all the doors are locked. Mm -hmm. They're like barred shut with rail spikes or some shit. Yeah. And the unaware two men of the plot are like sweet. <laughs> yeah, this is great. They, that's That always stuck out to me as like, 
you know, they're there for anything. They're like, we're going to die anyway. We're suicide bombers. Yeah. Burning down? Sick. Let's mow them down as they try to escape. Yeah. It quickly becomes very twisted. And you point, do you want to point out? Oh, yeah. We're going to point out. So, uh, disclaimer, it's not my original thought. I saw it online, but um, it's very apt. And what makes the whole thing kind of feel like a gotcha sometimes is that this propaganda movie that they're all at the screening of is these Germans watching a sniper, and the whole movie seems to just be him shooting soldiers, and they fall down and die, and then he aims at another one, shoots them, they die, and he's killing hundreds of people on screen, and that's the movie. And every time they shoot, uh, he shoots one, they cheer. And this was hard for the actor himself to stomach, and that's why he went up and got shot. But uh, now we see, in this scene, Goebbels gets shot, Hitler gets shot in the face with a machine gun like 50 times at point blank. Mm-hmm. They're burning Nazis. They're clambering over each other trying to escape. And they're just unloading into this panicked mass of uh, like military and their families uh, with machine guns. Just with these crazy vengeful looks. And uh, I've seen online pointed out how it's literally the German propaganda movie of just killing a bunch of enemy soldiers. And now we're like, oh fuck yeah, Hitler's dead. Goebbels is dead. These Germans are getting shot. Fuck the Germans. Uh, and you're just as stoked about everything going on. And I didn't even realize until I saw this person point this out online. It's like, man, I <laughs> I was super hype about all these Germans dying. And I, it seems like the whole point was, yeah, you're... It's definitely a movie about hypocrisy. Yes. In every form. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the soldiers are hypocrites. War fucking sucks. I, but at the same time, I'm not comfortable calling it an anti-war movie. It seems to uh, kind of celebrate... It romanticizes certain aspects. Well, hey, at the same time, I just realized the heroes of the movie are... Um, like, they give badass moments to the bastards and all. Mm-hmm. But the heroes are two civilian women. Like, the people that set up, like, ending the war Shoshana and Bridget von Hammersmark. Like, she set up Operation Kino, uh-huh. and Shoshana set up the revenge plot and ended the war with high command, and the soldiers were kind of just there for the ride. Yeah. You know, so I feel like it's not anti-war because it is definitely ecstatic about killing Nazis and having gunfire and gunfights, mm-hmm. but it's also at the end saying, see, you all loved it, didn't you? It's like, yeah, but, uh-huh. you... <laughs> but it's like you wanted us to. You definitely wanted us to. So, uh, but that's not even the end of the movie. What yeah. happens next? So they're in the forest, and who's they? Uh, Aldo. Yes. Yes, it's Aldo. Ryan from the office. DJ <laughs> Novak. Um, Landon. Landa. Um, Hans Landa. Hans. <laughs> Landon. Solo. It's Han Solo. And uh, Herman. Yeah, some rando Some German. other German. Landa's buddy. And then they have another phone call. Aldo shoots Herman. And he's like, scalp him. And he's like, you're going to get... Uh, Landa's like, you're going to get shot. You're yeah. going to get killed for that. Aldo says, I might get chewed out. I've been chewed out before. And then he asks Landa what he's going to do about that SS uniform. Is he going to take it off? Yeah, and immediately you're just like, oh, fuck, he is going to take it off. <laughs> and uh, Aldo gets to carve out his masterpiece forehead art. Mm-hmm. A gorgeous little uh, swastika. 
And then we cut to credits, directed by Quentin Tarantino. The audience cheers. Audience cheers. Uh, Brad Pitt's back in American territory, or allied territory. And Hitler's dead. Tons of people are dead. Uh, my favorite part of the movie is Brad Pitt's performance, Hans Landa's performance, uh, Christoph Waltz, speed with which the movie goes by. Yeah. It's two and a half hours, but every scene is so like... tight, you know? It's definitely a well-paced movie. And what I don't like is just, I don't know how to parse out the mixed tone. It's like, is it anti-war? Is it... Is it Does that pro? Matter? Like, what? What do you think the core story is supposed to be? I think the the main plot is Shoshana getting revenge for her family on Landa. Well, not even on Landa, just um, on the German military Nazis. machine, and then Landa and uh, the cat and mouse between the bastards and Landa. What are you, What are your pluses and minuses? Give me some minuses. Um, I'm trying to think. Minuses. I'm not going to call it a perfect movie. Yeah, I wouldn't say ten, but I don't know why. Uh, it's got a pretty flippant tone for the subject matter, but I wouldn't knock down Jojo Rabbit for that, because that's also its intention. Uh, could this story have been told in a less fictitious way? Is the, is the, uh, violence porn of the theater burning down egregious? Yes? Well, that, that, I'm glad you brought that up, because that's egregious and kind of stomach-turning, but then the scene where they fashion a German officer's skull and everyone's cheering and I think like they cut to a pretty far distance so you don't really see the bat killing the German and it's kind of like oh the bear Jew did it and also when they free Hugo Stiglitz and they literally blow up German officers into clouds of blood in the prison like those aren't sombering like oh shit this is getting dark that's just like fuck yeah we're killing people yeah there's definitely a lot of horrors in war, and they didn't need to. He didn't need to fictionalize some aspects of it to make them more uh, apt for an action movie. Yeah, he he made an all to you of a very real war. Yeah, which and is kind of weird. That, that's the thing. Like, but it was more, entertaining. It was. It's super entertaining. It's super fun to watch. Is it like, relying too much on our societal perception of the Nazis? Because without, without a lot of description, he just gets to drop some names and you get to infer some motives and you know you hate these guys without much else. Well, yeah. And then he gets to write his own story with the backdrop of, I don't need to characterize these people too much because you know they're shits. That's a good point. But also I wonder, like, if you watch a movie like a James Bond movie... Like a Pierce Brosnan James Bond, mm-hmm. and the bad guys wear, you know, black a black uniform and like some tact- t- tactical gear. Yeah, and you're like fuck that guy, he's a bad guy. And then James Bond shoots him, and uh, he invades the secret base or whatever. Yeah, you don't feel so, the same way about those people as you do. Like, oh, Hitler's getting shot in the face. Yeah, and, but my point is that like, I don't know, like using the fact that we know Nazis are bad is is fine by me you know like i don't know you don't think it's lazy well it's a thing because there's a deep there is a much deeper implication of nazi than than general pop culture villain he's he's in black he's bad i mean indiana jones does the same shit oh yeah and hellboy yeah basically uh (laughs) that's kind of a good point like uh media and directors and Fiction writers must be on a 
dark level stoked about World War II because they get this easy stand-in for a universally hated yeah. figure. They're like, I don't know how to make his... You know, I've got I've got this character written, but I really want people to end up hating him. But bam, you know, we hate him. He doesn't even have to do anything bad on screen, which Hitler doesn't do anything bad on screen. No, we just know he's Hitler. He's so not fuck even that the biggest guy. baddie of the movie. Yeah, Landa is. Landa is. Landa does do bad things on screen. Yeah, um, and we know his motivations. Yeah, he's so nice. I get. Well, hey, there's a counterpoint. Like he had Tarantino uses Nazis. But he doesn't give a shit about Nazis. He cares about Landa. Mm-hmm. He wants you to care about Landa. So like, oh yeah, stand-in villain. But there's one not stand-in villain. There's one very fleshed out, interesting villain. Which is Hans Landa. Yeah, okay. I can get behind that. But I still wouldn't say it's... Can we do our rating and then keep talking? Cause... Unheard of. Well, because I, I, I'm thinking of like what I want to rate it and I'm... Okay, one. Two, three, three eight... eight. Okay. Yeah. Thank it's you. Good. It doesn't gross me out in the way. I mean, the violence does. Yeah, it's yeah. I'm with you there. And they don't state the hate. Uh, like in Reservoir Dogs, they're using the N word all the time. Yeah. And I'm sure. I mean, Nazis hate Jewish people. Mm-hmm. And should the depiction of a Nazi not just like oh, five? Because we know they're ultra terrible racist. Yeah, I. I don't know how to put into words that I like the movie a lot, mm-hmm. but just not enough for a nine or ten. I don't know, mm. like general villains of Nazis, yeah, but also maybe because it's a romp more than a drama. Maybe and like Indiana Jones is a romp. It's an enjoyable movie. Yeah, it doesn't I mean, make me feel anything complex. Thank you. You put it into words right there. Oh, good. <laughs> I, I just don't... I, I didn't come away from this with a different perspective on anything. No. I really liked watching it. Uh, but things like... I mean, even Parasite's message about class divide is... Oh, God. It's, it's so good. It's like, yeah, we get that rich people and poor people live differently, but you never get to look in such intimate detail at both lives yeah. and like really get a complete picture. And, uh, you know, looking at lives of others, which is not published, so we can talk about it and reference it freely. Uh, you know, oh, they could have just done um, the one side of the wall is bad, the other side's good. Yeah. Bad drones. But they didn't. They're like, this is how a human can be changed by exposure to other ideas and art and love. So those things made me Lives feel like, Lives of Others oh. is so good. Oh, God, yes. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. So, yeah, thank you for figuring out what it is. It's 8 out of 10 because it's a super fun movie. Well made, well written, well acted. I'd watch it again, even having seen it like four or five times oh, yeah. at this point. It's just fun. Yeah, but it's, it's Brad Pitt's make, in it. Yeah, I am. Is is this the first time Brad Pitt's in a Tarantino movie? I don't really know, but I am so glad that he became a Tarantino guy. You know how like Apatow has yeah. his cast and Tarantino has his. I don't know if it's the first one. Uh, Brad Pitt was certainly like the guy in early two thousands. Yeah, late nineties. Yeah, he, he still is the guy. I'd watch a Brad Pitt movie. I'm sorry what he did to Jolie, but and Aniston. What, what he, Didn't he date Angelina Jolie? Yeah, but what did he do? Like, like the divorce. Oh. Well. He broke her heart. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to be like a Sean Penn story or something. Where it's like, oh, holy shit. he <laughs> hit her. Okay. Like that okay. never came out. But. Um, Unless you like read the Daily Globe or whatever, then maybe he hit her. But Yeah. 
the, the truth about the split. Yeah. Cool. Oh, we're into our socials. Oh, uh, follow us on Twitter at RMR underscore podcast. Like us on Facebook, uh, Rookie Movie Reviews. Email us at rookiemoviereview at gmail.com or go to our website, rookiemoviereviews at gmail.com. Um, no. I think for... Our website is rookiemoviereviews.com. What did I say? Rookiemoviereviews at gmail.com. Oh, geez. I was thinking of two different things at the same time. I was going to say we should probably do a little write-up about Tarantino the way we did for uh, Clockwork Orange. Maybe we can collab on a blog. Let's collab on a blog. We could each write individual pieces and then put them together in theme. Cool. Cool. Just like a middle school project. Do you have... I would love to work on a middle school project with you. Do you have any closing thoughts? Anything that's hanging on the tip of your tongue? The guy who played Hitler wasn't as charming as everyone tells you Hitler was. Yeah. Well, that's kind of tied to like, you know, we're going to make Hitler a sweaty, wrinkly, screaming man-child and we're going to make... Goebbels, a squealing pig, sex fiend, like... They're not good people, but... But that, I think it's important to acknowledge that, you know, folks like Hitler are probably pretty charismatic to win over the will of a massive nation and then go on to do their great evils, you mm-hmm. know. Oh, God. Yeah, we have to listen. No, that's too close to Looney Tunes. Outro music. Bye. That's the Mario